This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. I know I cannot change the past. I know I will never lose my sadness over the death of my husband and the death of my brother. I will also never lose the guilt I have over how I parented the girls in the absence of their dad. But I have acceptance. It's what I'm doing about it now that matters today, says Rosemary. Valerie Atelis interviews Rosemary Keevil, the author of The Art of Losing It, a memoir of grief and addiction. Rosemary Keevil is an author and a journalist who has worked for Canada's CTV Network, CHUM Radio Network, the National Globe and Mail newspaper, Scarlet Magazine, and thethunderbird.ca. She has been a TV news reporter, a current affairs radio show host, and the managing editor of a professional women's magazine. Patrick Kennedy, Naomi Wolf, Pierre Salinger, Matt Dillon, and Amy Grant are among the thousands of people Rosemary has interviewed during her career. Tragedy hit Rosemary in 1991, when her husband died of cancer, and her brother died of AIDS, and she became a single parent of her two very young girls. While still high-functioning, Rosemary fell into the grips of alcohol and drugs. She went into recovery in 2002 and has been clean and sober ever since. She has developed a sophisticated knowledge of alcoholism, addiction, mental health issues, and the associated treatments and therapies. Addiction was her academic specialty when taking her Master of Journalism. She received her master's degree from the University of British Columbia School of Journalism in Vancouver and has a Bachelor of Journalism from Carleton University in Ottawa, Canada, and a Bachelor of Arts from Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario. She lives in Whistler, British Columbia, Canada, with her partner and her sheepadoodle, and is a proud mother of two adult daughters who are both content in their chosen careers. Meet Rosemary at rosemarykeevil.com. Here is the interview with Rosemary Keevil. In your own words, who is Rosemary Keevil? Well, I like to think I'm a person who's fun to be with. And besides that, I'm a mother and an author and a journalist, and a survivor of grief and addiction with a message that if I can make it through all that, you can too. What do you think or believe or feel is the purpose of the human experience? The purpose of the human experience? Yeah. To share life's experiences that are both difficult and on one end of the spectrum and fun on the other, 
sharing the difficult ones for me, hopefully has meant that I am a resource for people to understand that if I can go through what I've been through, not just the grief, but the addiction, which is a, a serious disease, and be okay, then one else one can share that experience with me and be okay. And that, that life can be fun. It doesn't, it's not easy, but it can be fun. And it's not going to be fun all the time, but it can be fun. One can laugh in the face of sorrow. I love that message. You, that's the first thing you said, actually, fun. I'm somebody that's fun to be around. And you keep saying that message. I absolutely agree. That resonates. Yeah, we are here to have fun. I mean, too, as well, right? Well, my daughter recently, one of my daughters wanted me to go on a boat trip with her to go swimming with seals. This is in Vancouver, Canada, in September or late August. It's not warm water, and I'm going, do I really want to do this? But my daughter's asking me, and she's asking some of her closest friends, and it's right during COVID, and have they been vaccinated? And I'm kind of going to myself, I'm not sure I want to do this, but when my daughters ask me to do something, I cherish the opportunity, so I don't want to say no. And be, and she said, besides which, Mom, you're fun to have around. I thought, wow, that is that is a gift. What is love to you, Rosemary? Or even further, what is true love? What is to experience true love? True love is selflessness. I think that uh, the other's person or being uh, is more important than one's own experiences, that their experiences and feelings are more important than your own. Yeah, that's powerful. And with that answer, I wonder if we can balance self-love and loving others at the same time. Do you think it's possible? Well, self-love is, uh, I listen to, I do yoga, I try to do yoga every day. And there's one woman yoga with Adrian. Uh, I like her recordings. And one of them, she says, and she's almost whispering, you got to start with the most important relationship in life. And she whispers, the one with yourself. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's the one that has to work before anything right. else works True. is one's relationship with oneself. So if yeah. you don't love yourself, how can you love anybody else? So when you talk about being selfless and valuing other people's feelings before ours, then that's why um, I kind of wonder if that really works. It sounds really beautiful and lovely, doesn't it? To just lose the... Not the identity, but this grip on on the self that I am important, that I matter so much that I'm willing to discard other people's feelings and do what I want to do. Can we love ourselves and others at the same time? Is that something that's realistic? Well, I think it may have to do with self-compassion. Yeah. With recognizing when self-compassion is going to be a prerequisite to being any good to anybody else. Perhaps that's exactly what needs to happen if there is a need for anything. It's uh, the self-compassion that you speak of, which is part of self-love. And then by coming from that place, then it's easier to be compassionate towards other people in life itself. Because now we recognize what that is. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. If we don't recognize something in ourselves, then we can't 
really express that outwards. We cannot really give, as you said, what we don't have. No, uh, and I said part of self-compassion is validation. It's interesting, when I was bringing my kids up on my own because their father died young, there's so much I, I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> there's a right. lot I didn't know and there's right. a lot I learned in sobriety and I didn't get sober till I was 47 yeah. well one of the big messages in sobriety was um, validation of feelings and first of all that was in terms of children's feelings need to be validated okay. but second of all my own feelings need to be validated right. I can't dismiss them right. and that's part of self-compassion is embracing that Mm-hmm. Without going to self pity, right? It's right. And I, even when I was grieving the death of my husband and my brother, I didn't always have validation because I didn't want to be a victim. Yeah. But there's a difference, and it's important. Talk to me about that, Rosemary. What is the difference between the victimhood space coming from that space and validation? That's an interesting well, I topic. I think victimhood is uh, when someone wallows in the self despair. versus this happened, I'm sad, and that's normal, Mm. and I need to validate myself. Um, I need to have compassion for myself, just as if if I would if somebody else, if this happened to someone else, if their husband died when the kids were little and their brother died at the same time, I would be very sad for them. So it's important for me to be sad for me and to me to validate that Mm. versus what was me, look what happened to me, uh, life's a bitch. Yeah, <laughs> right. Life is the complaint. It's what you do with it. <laughs> the complaining, right. That's so true. It makes a lot of sense, of course, yeah. I love that term. I interviewed somebody about that, and he wrote a book about self-compassion, and that's what he does as a, as a therapist. And that made so much sense to me, everything that has to do with the practices of self-compassion. Let's see, I have more questions for you, the warm-up questions. I'll ask you this one. Do you currently have any spiritual practices or belief systems, Rosemary? Well, I believe in a higher power. There's absolutely another level of existence and being and and power that uh, exists. When I was growing up, it happened to be God because my mother, uh, through osmosis, I had this belief in, in God. She'd go into the woods and commune with her God. I, I am not religious. I did have the kids go to Sunday school when they were growing up, so they would have the option to be religious, uh, and they chose not to be religious, but I think they believe in a higher power. But my spiritual practice is usually related to my morning exercise. Mm. This morning, it's September in Worcester now. It's like 8 degrees out oh, <laughs> in the morning. Wow. Right now it's about 20 it's chilly in the morning. Uh, the lake I go to is about 66 degrees. The sun's just about to rise. It's 6 a.m. I drive to the lake. I'm all alone. I walk down the lake in my wetsuit. I dive in. It's me and the moon setting and the sun rising. Oh and I commune with my higher power. That sounds wonderful. <laughs> just imagine that. And my communing is prayers. I, I pray to to a higher power. And one of the things, one of the prayers that is stalwart is um, the serenity prayer. But I kind of mix it up a bit. I say, my higher power, please grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. So wisdom to know what I can change 
and the courage to do it. Yeah, that's a powerful message because most of us are really always trying to change what we cannot change. And we don't know the difference a lot of times mm. as well. So I try to touch in with myself every morning on, and just connect with myself and with those messages. And there's other messages, but that's probably the most important one. And the whole community is also filled with gratitude. I start with gratitude. It's number one. And then I request serenity and wisdom and courage. And there's all sorts of other things woven into that. But when I'm communing with my higher power, when I'm in my in the cold water with the moon setting and the sun rising over the mount over the mountains here we're in this is a mountain lake uh this is my uh source of power and energy and peace a question just came to me about yeah i wanted to ask you how do you visualize the higher power is that something that we call the soul or some people call it god and angels how could you describe what the higher power is well, that's a tough one. Um, mm. I, because I grew up with a mother who called him God, right. I, I'm kind of stuck with this old-fashioned notion, which I'm quite aware of, but it's, it's okay with me. I'm all right with it. I'm, my partner, my significant other, is a male, and he calls God a woman. Oh, <laughs> interesting. <laughs> He's more in tune with, with the current life than I am because I still regard higher. But I think it's it's too nebulous to actually put a, a handle on it. Um, right. It's an energy force. Hmm. It's an energy force which yeah. is powerful and absolutely impossible to uh, argue against. Hmm. There's absolutely another power happening there. Wow. And it could be on the level of souls. I mean, we all feel like we've had visitors, visits from people who have died. Their souls can still be around. Um, it's all on that other level of being. Mm. When my husband was dying and one of my daughters, she was two and a half, and she, her grandfather, my father's father, died about three years before that. And little my little daughter is standing in front of the refrigerator looking in the refrigerator and she said so her father's in the other room dying he's about to die her father her grandfather died three years ago and she says grandfather's here mm. like his soul was here to take his son away it oh, just, was wow. just so powerful that it was just you can't argue with that there are mm. there's there is an energy there there is it's almost palatable I was just flabbergasted and she didn't necessarily have a strong relationship with her grandfather because she was barely one when he died. Right. So, mm. uh, and there was a visitation from, from another level and in that house that day when he, a grandfather had come to take his son away wow. into the uh, death of the, uh, of the mortal, the world of the death of, of mortals. Yeah, the higher self that you believe in do you think that one of these days you could merge with it where you become the higher self? You merge with this, you call them the energy force, and then you no longer need to talk with it and have practices to connect with it because now you have become your own higher power. I think that's the soul. And I think that's what's left of you when you die, when you die physically. 
Oh, we'll return so, to it, merge back, right? Yes, yeah. Yeah, I wonder if we can do this now in a body. Do you wonder if we can do this, this merge? Can we merge back with the soul, with the higher self here now in the body? I think if one can do that, one's pretty lucky. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and people <laughs> will sometimes turn to ayahuasca and things like that, yeah. that might actually assist them in doing that. But right. it doesn't seem real if you need some kind of outside um, mm-hmm. stimulus to make it happen. Right. I suppose people who are particularly spiritual and at peace with the world may be able to do that, but it certainly would be beyond my capabilities. I often wonder if that that can be realized. I don't think we can do that, as you said. I absolutely agree. We cannot practice that return to the soul and the embodiment of the soul in a human body. Well, for some reason, it just makes me think one needs to divorce oneself from one's physical self. And and we are, we are our bodies. We can't divorce ourselves from our physical selves. So for some, on some level, I think it's almost um, insulting <laughs> to, oh. <laughs> to the physical body. I mean, I am my body. I am my soul. I am my body. Um, so... <laughs> Why do I want to get rid of my body? I mean, it's just one way of looking at it. What do you love most about being in a human body? I think the human body, it's interesting during this pandemic because we haven't been with other human bodies. And I miss that desperately. I think the energy between people when bodies are together, it's not necessarily the uh, the energy that, like, for example, I... Uh, cut my teeth as a journalist in a TV newsroom. And the power and of the energy of that room when I was trying to write and put a story together was just invigorating. Mm-hmm. So much so that when I was writing my book, I had to be around this energy of people. I had to go to Starbucks. I couldn't, I mean, I got up early at 4 a.m. and would write. But then at nine, I'd go to uh, Starbucks and um, I would run into people and they could they could join me for a coffee or whatever. But it was just the energy. Um, I feed off the energy of people. And that's uh, that is the, bo- the human bodies of people that are exuding this energy. Yeah. To me, it's energy. It's all about the energy. And, and in this COVID situation, I desperately miss that energy between interaction with physical interaction with people. Um, yeah. I know, I mean, I like going to work. I know there's this movement of people who want to stay at home and not go to work. But I, I find that I feed off the energy of other people. And that's because we're all in human bodies and mm. there's there's more than the physical skin and bones that's there. Yeah. There is an energy that exudes from us yeah. which we can share. Mm. And sometimes people have that energy. You don't want to share it, but uh, I have fun energy and I like to share it. <laughs> you do have fun energy. <laughs> I agree. Even even here, yeah. Not we are not <laughs> close physically, but you can that can still be, be transmitted. I can feel it, the energy, your energy. Oh, good. Good. So energy is boundless anyway. It's everywhere. So, but I see what, yeah, that warmth of a body. It's being around. I love being around people too. There's something about it. It, it is special. <laughs> well, and there's also, of course, the uh, healing quality of human touch. There's nothing like human touch. Yeah. Yes, I agree. I agree a billion times. Yes. <laughs> you wrote the book, The Art of Losing It. 
a memoir of grief and addiction. Talk to me about the main inspiration and intention of writing your book. Well, I am a journalist. I write. I, I write a diary, general, um, on a regular basis. I never wasn't going to write about this. Even before I went into self-destruction and addiction, it was always something I was going to somehow write about. And so when I got down to doing it, it turned out to be a very, very therapeutic experience. And then it turned out to be something that I, with my hope, that it would be a resource for people. And as something, as it turns out, it has been a resource for people. So that initially wasn't the motivation, but it certainly did turn into the motivation. Was uh, It's my hope that I can be a resource and help others. Yes, and that is certainly the case. I mean, sometimes we're not even aware of, of how many people we can touch or we are touching just by being ourselves and doing the things that we must do at that level, that deeper level. So I want to ask you another question about healing. What can you share about your healing process, Rosemary, without telling the story to the listeners? My healing, personal healing process was kind of long and convoluted. I mean, in hindsight, I can, I can give some wisdom. I don't think I did it very well at the time. But I mean, I've, I've learned, I've, I've learned uh, about healing and about struggles in life and how we can deal with it. I think number one is acceptance. And with healing for grief in particular, one needs to accept the fact that I am sad. I'm sad and being sad is exhausting. I need to rest. I need to take care of myself. I need to know that it's okay to be tired. I need to have a breakdown if I need to have a breakdown. It's funny when I was, uh, when my husband and brother were dying, I would <laughs> have what I call mini breakdowns. I would have something happen that would cause me to get all upset or whatever. And, and but I would, but there was an emergency I needed to deal with the emergency. So I say, okay, save this for later on and have a breakdown at bedtime. <laughs> so I was still, you know, in hindsight, I had some wisdom. I knew I had to um, have a breakdown, but I was just going to save it for later. <laughs> So um, th that's the number one was the acceptance of the, the sadness and the grief. Uh, and the other thing that is helpful, I think, for grieving in particular is profes uh, professional therapy. I mean, there's a role for that, not for everybody, but uh, certainly for me, there's a role for a professional therapist in terms of grieving and in terms of addiction as well. I mean, acceptance is really, really important to accept the, um, the shame and the guilt and, and um, just let that be and move forward. Um, the second uh, important thing for both grief and addiction is the only way past it is through it. With grief, you have to feel it. With addiction, well, you have to accept it, you have to feel it. With addiction, you have to accept it and you have to work your way through it, understand why why like I was numbing myself. I was numbing myself because I was sad and I had two little girls to bring up on my own. This is why I went into my self-destruction. And and thirdly, okay, what are you going to do about it today? <laughs> okay. Let's do the next right thing. These are all the messages that um that are answers to the question which I've now forgotten. <laughs> I gave such a long answer. <laughs> 
um, about the healing journey. And with that in mind, I want to ask you another question. Do you believe that healing is an ongoing process? Or there is a time, a moment in time where we can actually say that we are healed? I listened to the Kimberly Pittman Schultz interview and, and I, interview, I was interested in her answers to these types of questions because she's a professional in, in dealing with grief. And as she said, no, the healing never ends. Uh, I kind of equate it to uh, when someone dies, when some tragedy happens, there is a hole in the soul which is gaping and deep and so painful. And that's never going to go away. But the with time and some professional help, perhaps, the edges of that gaping hole will soften a bit. The hole will get a little bit smaller. But you'll always have that hole. It's very profound. And we can never hope for it, never hope for it or, or for it to go away because that's an impossible desire. That that's not gonna happen. But and and we can still have fun. Somebody said, I think it was written by an unknown person, grief is the price of love. Do you agree? I don't think necessarily, no. I don't think you need to have grief in order to love. No, I don't understand that. Grief is the price of love. I see what it is. It's sort of like you love someone. Basically, you're putting yourself at risk. You're being vulnerable. Yeah, right. The more you love, the more you grieve. Right. The more vulnerable you are. So if someone is not lovable or able to love, then um, they are not putting this, they're not putting themselves out to be hurt. So I guess that's what that means is um, the more you love, the more vulnerable you are. And if you didn't have that, you wouldn't have any depth and you wouldn't have any depth of feeling. You'd be as if you were on numbing drugs your entire life. So I guess that comes down to life is not simple. Well, life can be simple. It's just not easy. Now I understand what that means. Yes, I guess one needs to be able to risk that. To love anyway. (laughs) But Mm. I think most of us don't think about it. And that might be what really intensifies or even becomes a trauma, um, losing somebody we love, because we don't think about it. I certainly do reflect almost every day about losing people that I love, but not in the sense of trying to prepare myself, but it's just something that could happen. Well, and but if we take that too seriously, then as some people do, they build walls Mm. When you build walls, you're not capable yeah. of, of feeling deep emotions, and then you're not you're not living life to the fullest. Mm. You're not feeling the deep emotions, and yeah. that's one way to deal with it. But that closes you off. Yeah, that's interesting. I never thought about that. I hope I'm not doing that. <laughs> I think I think I still love my husband, my dog, uh, my family. But I guess I I try to be as. Um, not realistic. It's just um, something that makes sense to me. If we are here in a human body, that means anything could happen, that I could lose my body at any moment or something, get diagnosed with a serious illness or in anybody around me. So it's something to reflect upon from time to time. I happen to reflect more often than not. It comes to me. It's natural for some reason. Naturally, it comes to me. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure why. So I noticed in your book, in the um, before each chapter, the title of each chapter is actually um, a song title. Why did you choose songs, titles of songs for the 
yeah, for the chapters. Uh, it just it was just happened, and some of the song titles are really quite random, oh, and they don't yeah. necessarily reflect that chapter. But they were the mood at the time when I wrote the chapter, so I decided to keep them, uh, and it was a very uh, natural um, process. I chose I chose song titles for my for my chapters, and interestingly enough, my youngest daughter who's actually an art therapist, um, is in recovery as well. And she has written her own memoir. And she, unbeknownst to me, and totally unknowing that I did this, also chose song titles for her chapters. Ah. So in some chapters, it's quite relevant how that certain song plays a role in the book. Right. But in other ones, it's just the mood that struck me at the time. And I thought, okay, I'll just go with it. So it was just something that was intuition, but was intuitive, intuitive, natural happening. I love that when that happens. It just flows. We don't have to think about it that and much. And it wasn't premeditated. It just it was yeah. always song titles were the, were, the chap, were the name of the chapters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Inspiring. Yeah. It made me think about some of the songs and I was just kind of uh, humming some of them that are the ones that I knew. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was like fun. <laughs> That's very much like Rosemary, fun, uh, making it fun no matter what. That's beautiful though. Yeah. Thank you for being you. That's so important in life. And I can hear in your voice the strength of that, the, the embodiment of that. What do you speak of? The fun that you speak of. It's right in you. It flows through you. So I love the, I think it's the end of the book. You write, I know I cannot change the past. I know I will never lose my sadness over the death of my husband and the death of my brother. I will also never lose the guilt I have over how I parented my girls in the absence of their dad but I have acceptance. It is what I'm doing about it now that matters today. I love that end when you say it is about what I'm doing. That's what matters, what I'm doing about it today and uh, the past. What is your message for those who are at this moment going through grief, recent grief, and also those who engage in addiction behaviors? It's interesting you should read that last um, paragraph because I just read it too as I was prepping for this interview because I haven't done an interview in a few months because my launch was sort of um, a few months ago and I had to refresh myself on my my answers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I did my own research into you and into into myself. I was researching myself um, as a journalist. I research. Uh, and, um, well, yes, and, and I've, I've touched on uh, two or three of the things. Uh, number one is acceptance, and uh, number two is the only way past it is through it. And number three is what I say in that little passage, which is, what am I going to do about it today? Which can be translated into, do the next right thing. And that is something that's sort of taken from AA, it's one of the AA AA expressions. Uh, And I I understand AA is not for everybody, but there are some processes in the program that are universal. And one of them is to do the next right thing. And that embodies everything, embodies the acceptance of what has happened. It embodies the fact that the only way past it is through it. 
And with addiction, that means accepting the shame and the guilt and doing something about it, making amends to people you've harmed, including yourself, and um, building more positive coping mechanisms and trying to do the next right thing and not wallowing in what has happened in the past, which doesn't mean you can't validate yourself with feelings of, of sadness and self-compassion, but really it's acceptance. It's the only way past it is through it. It's understanding to do understanding um, that what I do now is what's important. As I said in the last sentence of the book is what you just read. It's what I'm doing about it now that matters today. I have acceptance. So the big picture for me as a resource for people is that. That is the big picture uh, message. And um, I've had people, I know one of your questions has been with uh, a couple of your uh, people that you've been, your interviewees has been what's your uh, definition of success. And I was thinking about that. And that is, have I one person said to me that the, the message of the book helped them? That's success. And um, I feel it has helped a lot of people. So that feels like a success. Yeah. How wonderful. Yeah. Thank you for saying that, reinforcing that, right? Accepting, feeling the feelings. That is a big one, isn't it? We try to escape feelings, our own feelings, especially the feeling of sadness. And interesting the way you said it before, that caught my attention. Yeah. You said being sad is exhausting. And it is. Mm -hmm. So true. Never thought of that way. Yes. Yeah, it is. It is exhausting. And one yeah. really needs to let that happen mm. let yourself be tired mm. have a nap <laughs> <laughs> yes don't take yeah. a nap it's okay you're allowed to uh, do that it's true a reset a a pause i agree self-care <laughs> have a massage <laughs> yeah. i mean when my husband died i was yeah. had the absence of the physical we're talking about physical touch yeah yeah. Was having um, the the it wasn't sexual at all, but having the human touch of a masseuse, I didn't realize how powerful that was. The the, the, the human touch, you know, it was um, maybe it's the intimacy without being sexual. Yeah, that is a human experience that's vital. I absolutely agree. Yeah, ah, it's almost like um, not exchanging energies, but just bringing them together vibrating together yeah. right because yeah. we are yeah. energy the, the melange of the energy right right the harmony ah. so thank you so much rosemary again for being you thank you i have a few more questions for you the ending questions would you like to add anything or read another passage in your book Oh, well, I wasn't prepared to read another passage. I may have done that, but I won't do that. Uh, and uh, I think I've, I've given my message already. Um, if one wants to contact me, they can go to my website, Rosemary Keeble. Just Rosemary Keeble is my website. And um, my book can be bought on Amazon or in uh, a local bookstore, usually. And it's on, I just did the audio book. I voiced it uh, myself, so oh, it's available on, on Audible as well. So the website is rosemarykeevil.com. Right. And my last question to you is, what is another word for life? Fun. <laughs> Go back to fun. I love that, Rosemary. What a, I mean, that's a powerful message. I just bookended your interview <laughs> yeah. for you. Right, right. Oh, 
Wow. If we can, uh, if we can realize that um, life, this reality would be very different. Yeah. If we learn to have fun. Thank you so much again for your presence, your wisdom, your message, your work. Thank you. Thank you. We'll talk soon. Bye for now, Rosemary. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Rosemary Keevil and her work, please visit rosemarykeevil.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.